but go ahead and turn your Bibles to uh, 1 Samuel 17, 1 Samuel 17, and uh, we're going to be in this passage of uh, King David, David and Goliath. Uh, the kids are with us today, so we've got all our kids here, um, and they're hanging out with us in church for these last few weeks and the next several. Uh, we'll be outside at least for the next, uh, for this week and the next two, and uh, we'll see where we go from there. Um, but I love that, you know, the Lord provides crazy ways for us to continue to stay in compliance, but also to fulfill our calling as a church, which is to gather and worship and uh, extend his kingdom wherever we go. So we're going to be in the, the story of David and Goliath, and uh, I have a few things that I feel like the Lord wants us to wants me to share this morning. Um, if, if you have your Bibles, 1 Samuel 17, and I'm going to jump around. You don't have to turn to all the verses because I'm going to be in a couple of verses. But the title of this morning's message is Walking in the Power and the Strength that God Gives. Um, how many of you know that God wants to give us power and strength? That it's not just about us doing stuff on our own. It's not just about our own willpower. It's not just about our own abilities. It's about relying and depending on the power and the strength that God gives. Has anybody found themselves in this season needing God's strength and God's power a little bit more than maybe you needed it five months ago or six months ago? Maybe God's strength and God's power, the willpower to not post what you're going to post, you know, on social media, to not respond how you're going to respond in the grocery store or wherever or in in conversation with coworkers, I mean we need the power and the strength that the Lord gives to really live every day for him and to be an example and how I many know that's our main priority and our main priority is not to be affiliated with uh, you know on a political party or to have an agenda or anything like that our main priority is the kingdom of God when you signed up to be a Christ follower when you gave your heart to Jesus you became a part of a different kingdom I don't know if you knew that or not, but yeah, you're, you may be an American, but you have an allegiance to the kingdom of heaven, and that kingdom is far greater and will last far longer than the kingdoms of, the, of this earth. So this morning, we're going to talk about walking in the power and the strength that God gives. Isaiah 40, verse 29 through 31 says this, he gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. I mean, you know, that's, that's a sermon in itself. Um, but we are all called, I believe, now more than ever. Not that this wasn't always our calling, but have you found that now more than ever, you need to spend concentrated time with Jesus? You need to spend concentrated time in the presence of God, even just to think straight, to keep things aligned, to keep your purpose aligned and your destiny aligned and keep the kingdom of God as at the forefront of your heart and to be filled with his presence in your daily interactions. They that wait upon the Lord. If you feel like your strength is being sapped in this season, I want to encourage you, ramp up your time waiting on God. Ramp up the amount of time you spend waiting on the Lord. I think this was the secret behind King David's success. I know it was the secret behind Jesus' success. I know that his power and strength came from the times that he withdrew. You read throughout the New Testament, and he withdrew, and he withdrew, and he withdrew. He's constantly getting away from the crowd and spending time with the Father so that he can see and discern what the Father is doing. It's really a picture of how we're called to live. We're called to live this way. We're called to be the kind of people who engage the world, go to our jobs, work, do yard work, raise kids, and then withdraw, spend time with the Lord, hear from him, withdraw, 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 constantly being renewed in his presence. They that wait on the Lord 
will renew their strength. So you pick up the story in 1 Samuel 17, and I'm not going to read the whole passage to you, uh, but it's the story of David and Goliath. Would anybody agree that it's probably the most popular story in, in Scripture? That even if you're maybe not, didn't grow up in a church, or maybe you've never been to a church, you probably have least heard the term David and Goliath, and they weren't just pup puppets, you know, like uh, the sock puppets. David, does anybody remember that show? They were like little clay figures. Okay, I'm not that old, but I did watch reruns on TV land when I was a kid. Um, and David and Goliath, the cartoon, was one of those reruns. But <clears throat> David and Goliath is a very popular story. But I think there's some secrets that God would share with us about David's success. The first secret is that waiting on the Lord, if we're going to be people that are walking in his strength, it's going to be because we've guarded our perspective. We've guarded our perspective. David steps into a scenario where the Philistines have been coming up the children of Israel. They're on one hill, and the Philistines are on the other hill. And every single day, Goliath, their champion, huge, huge giant, he comes out. He was their number one warrior. And every single day, he comes out. And the Bible says he taunts the children of Israel. He just mocks them. He mocks them. He mocks their God. He mocks their, their race. He mocks their religion. He mocks everything about them. He points at all their aspects of identity. And he just says, who are you? You're weak sauce. You're nothing. And Goliath does this day after day after day. And in verse, eight, in verse 16 of 1 Samuel 7 says, For 40 days the Philistines came forward and took his the Philistine came forward and took his stand morning and evening. So for 40 days, they're on one hill, the Israelites on the other hill, and the Philistine Goliath comes up and he takes his stand and he taunts them. Who are you going to send to fight me? Who are you going to face? Your God is nothing. You're nothing. We're going to crush you. Um, have you ever, like, been in a debate? I mean, this happens a lot when we talk about sp sports, but anybody hear the term trash talker? Has anybody ever heard that? He's just a trash talker. We've all heard that term. And now, listen, I'm not big on sports, but I've heard people just go at it, like friends of mine, about their teams. It's like, bro, that's so ugly. That's so dirty. That's so such a low blow. It's just sports, man. It's just a game, but you're like digging at each other, right? You're just trash-talking the other team, trash-talking the other players. Listen, Goliath was the king of the trash-talk. He got up on that hill, and he cursed their God, and he cursed them as a people for 40 days. And here's what happened after 40 days of this cursing. The Israelite army had normalized, had normalized their future defeat. They looked at Goliath, and they thought, man, this guy— He's just, he's so much bigger. Their army is so much better. We can't possibly win. And then they begin to do this. They begin to question, oh, I don't know. If, are we really serving the right God? I don't know if we're serving the right God. So that by the time David shows up on the scene, and how many know David has not been a part of this? He's not been there for 40 days. He hasn't been a part of the narrative. He hasn't been hearing. Think about what the Israelites are hearing for 40 days, morning and night from Goliath. They heard the same thing every day, for 40 days, the threats, the defiance, the mockery of their God. And they're sitting there as an army listening. They allowed themselves to be conditioned to a narrative that they were not good enough, they were not strong enough, and their God had left them. Those are the things they're hearing from Goliath and the Philistines. They're not good enough, they're not strong enough, and your God has left you. And so for 40 days, this is now inside of their hearts. I mean, they, they defeated, and the battle hasn't even begun. All we've been doing is talking. Tuck, 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 tuck. Philistines come out there and just trash talk. 
trash talk them over and over and over again. How many know what we hear can shape how we perceive the world? Oh, man, the, the things that we allow into our mind, that we allow into our heart. And here's the thing. If we hear the same thing over and over and over again by enough people, we can become conditioned to that truth. We can become conditioned to those statements. The Israelite army, they're sitting on the other side of the hill. They're supposed to be fighters. They're supposed to be courageous. These are the best. Think about this. This is the entire nation of Israel. This is their best. How many of you are glad that in the United States of America, we send our best to the Marines? The few, the proud, the Marines. We send our best to the Army. We send our best to the Air Force. Many of you are veterans in here this morning. Thank you. I mean, thank you for your service. Thank you for serving God. Thank you that you took those years, and instead of investing them just in yourself, you poured those years out, your youth years out, to serve and defend this country. We're proud of that as a nation. We send our best to those forces. We send our best to the military. Why? Because we want them there. That's where we, we want our best defending us. We want our best standing up. That's the same with the Israelites. That's the same with every nation that's ever been existent. Where's the biggest and the brightest and the best? Those are the ones we send to battle. The Israelites were sent to battle. They were sent to war, but they cowered in fear and they believed a lie for 40 days. And it wasn't even a lie that was coming from inside the, their own camp. It was a lie from their enemy. And he was just speaking to them. Fear, doubt, defeat. And so for 40 days and 40 nights, not anybody, nobody stood up. There, I, I would love if the scripture like, had revealed, like, and after 35 guys tried to defeat the Goliath, then David comes in. It doesn't say that, does it? Not one guy tried to defeat Goliath. I mean, just, you know, sacrifice your body. Like, these are warriors. I like to think in our military forces, if there was, if there was a scenario like that, there'd probably be 500 volunteers. I'll go. I'll go. I don't, if I die, I die. I'm going to go. I'm going to go fight. Courage. Courage in the face of unsurmountable obstacles. This is what the Israelite army is facing, and they had begun to believe the lie of their enemy. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough, and your God has left you. This is the scene that David shows up to. And how you know, David has not been there for 40 days and 40 nights. He hasn't heard. And so his perspective is incredibly different than the perspective of those who had been hearing, 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 40 days and 40 nights. Here's the thing. David had allowed God, God's word, to shape his beliefs. David had allowed God's word to shape his beliefs. So David goes down to give his brother some cheese. That's the, that's the whole picture. He's been, he's a young man. He's been taking care of the sheep. He's not the best and he's not the brightest. So he was not sent to war. <laughs> he's small and he's tiny and he plays with slingshots, right? And he watches sheep and he delivers cheese. This is David. This is David. He is not the mighty warrior yet, all right? He's a cheese delivery boy. I don't think we have those anymore. We don't have milkmen or cheesemen, but David was a cheese man, right? He just bring in the cheese, all right? And David said to Saul, this is what David shows up on the scene in. So he, again, has he heard the, has he heard the stories? Has he heard the narrative? Has he been a part of the bombardment of verbal assault? No, he hasn't been a part of it. What has he been doing? He has been writing songs on his harp in a field with some sheep. That's what he's been doing. He has been spending time with God. 
year after year, lonely year after lonely year with a harp. I know when we think of guys playing the harp, we don't think of like menly men, but David proves us all wrong. And he's writing songs. He's pouring out his heart to God in the middle of the fields. You know, sometimes like if you look at any of the statues of David from antiquity, what you see is you see blonde hair and like, you know, just like like one of those angels with like a diaper on a cloud playing a harp. Sometimes we get the picture of David. You know, he, he wasn't feminine in that way, all right? He was a man who was in touch with his emotions. How many of you like were husbands to be a little bit more in touch with their emotions? But he was also a man's man. He, knew how, he, he says this in a minute. He says, I kill the lion, I kill the bear with my bare hands. So, yes, I can play the harp. And yes, I can write beautiful poetry that's been, you know, the, the, the talk of centuries for, us, for you and I in the book of Psalms. I can write all this beautiful trilogy. I write songs. I play the harp. But you know what? I can get after it. I can go to town on me a bear. I can go to town on a lion. I'll take them out with their own, my bare hands if I have to. And by the way, I'm a master with the slingshot. Right, so that's a little picture of David. So this is the scene that David shows up on, filled with the word of God, filled with an entirely different perspective than an entire army. David's a solo guy with some cheese, and he has an entirely different army, or entirely different perspective than the entire army. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail him, fail because of him, talking about Goliath. Don't let your heart fail because of a giant. Come on. So David's there. He's pep-talking an army. He's not even in the army. He's like, come on, guys. Come on, guys. What are you doing? This guy's nothing. Let no one's heart fail him because of, fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. I love that. They said, okay, nobody's going to go fight? Listen, I'm half your age. I have no ma- ma- military experience. I'll go and fight. I'll go and fight. If, if I die, I die, but I'm not going to die, but I'll go and fight. I love this guy. Last week I was playing a harp, writing songs in a field with a bunch of stinky sheep. This week I'm going to go fight that giant. I'll go and fight. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. This is talking about Goliath. You're a child, and this guy's been a soldier since he was a child. Who do you think you are? What kind of perspective does it take for someone to see the world totally different than everyone around them. It takes a godly perspective. It takes somebody who's been spending time in the presence of the Lord, writing songs and singing hymns and experiencing the presence of God. You want your strength renewed so that you can see the world differently than the world around you? You're going to have to spend some quality time with Jesus. You're going to have to get alone with him so that you can see with different lenses. You can look at the same thing, but you can see it totally differently. This is what David happening to David. The sun's starting to fade, and I'm only on point two. I don't know. You guys are going to be in the sun real quick. All right, here we go. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him, and I struck him, and I delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. I love this. David starts going through his resume of just murder. Like, that's basically what he's saying. It's like, I, oh, in case you think I'm not qualified for this, I'm too young, or I don't know what I'm doing, yeah, when sheep, when lion and bear, I, I grab him by the beard. I struck him. I'm doing my bare hands. I would love to be the man who says that I grabbed a bear by the beard or a lion by the beard. Bam! I, I'm not that guy, all right? I like to shoot stuff, but from about 150 yards, all right? Through a scope with a bullet. All right, here we go. 
I'm not grabbing nothing by the beard. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and I struck him and I killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, plural. Everybody say plural. Both lions and bears, plural. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. What is David's beef with Goliath? David's beef with Goliath is not that he's big and he's bad and he's our enemy. His beef with Goliath, Goliath is that he is mocking their God. He's mocking their God. He says, not in my house, not with my people. You are not going to mock God and make a mockery of him. He is too good to us as a nation. He gave us this promised land. He's been with us since the beginning. He provided for us in the wilderness. And you're going to sit here and mock him? No way. David's beef was with the language they were using to mock his God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. See, here's the thing. David was not listening to the narrative. He was not hearing for 40 days and 40 nights all of the bad things that, he, that Goliath was speaking. He was hearing from the Lord. I believe this with all of my heart. We are at a tipping point as a culture. We're at a tipping point of light and dark. And now more than ever, the people of God have to have perspective. We have to know, like, there's a song that says, this is how I fight my battles. I think we should rewrite that song as like, those are the battles I don't fight. <laughs> this is how I pick and fight, pick and choose which battles I fight. I can't believe how often we pick the wrong fight for the wrong reason as the people of God. We picked the wrong fight for the wrong reason. Goliath didn't get up, th- or David didn't get up there and say, oh my goodness, my brothers are scared. That's why I'm going to fight you, because my brothers are scared. Man, our nation is in turmoil. That's not what I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight, and I'm going to take you down, because you're defying my God. He chose the right fight for the right reason, and the power of God was with him because he did that. How many of us have an absence of God's power because we're choosing to do battle on the wrong battlefield? We're choosing to battle... On the political field, we choose to battle our friends and family. But what does the scripture say? Our battle is not against flesh and blood. You are no one's enemy. When you gave your heart to Jesus, you embody Jesus like Jesus who laid his life down on the cross. He chose to be no one's enemy. You are not the enemy of any person who lives in this world. You are not the enemy who has a different opinion of the person who has a different opinion than you, a different solution than you, different thoughts than you. You are no one's enemy when you gave your heart to Jesus. You chose a life of humility, of service, of sacrifice, of surrender, of one that leads people through love and and kindness to the Lord, not one of aggressiveness and anger and resentment and hostility. You are no one's enemy. The third thing I think we need to do is we need to use every opportunity to glorify God. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword. So now he's going up against him with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down. I like this part and cut off your head. I just, I, I don't know. That feels, feels real nice to me. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head. I have to imagine right then that the soldiers say, how old is this guy? <laughs> like the, the Israelites, they probably say, how old is he? He's he the young one that was just 
bringing us cheese? Now he's talking to Goliath like he's a man? What? This is crazy. I will cut you. I will strike you down. I'm going to cut off your head. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Okay, why is he doing it? Why does he care about Goliath? It's not about him, is it? So that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. You have mocked my God. You have mocked my God. And you have gotten all of my brothers and sisters to believe that there is no God and that he is not with us and that he is not for us. And I need to show the world today that God is still on the throne. Man, what if we acted like this with the world around us? What if we as believers just understood that our entire purpose in life is that in everything that we do, we're called to glorify God. We're called to bring him glory and not be right. We don't have to be right about everything. We need to bring glory to God in everything. And sometimes bringing glory to God means keeping our mouths shut (laughs) and not having to be right about every issue in our world. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and not with spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. And if you know the rest of the story, you know that David picks up some stones, takes a slingshot out, whack, 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 you know, the, the... the stone hits Goliath's head. He falls down, and then David literally goes and, and chops off his head. And here's what I, here's what I love. In 1 Samuel 17, 50, the writer puts it this way. After Goliath falls, before he picks up Goliath's swords, here's what the author says. There was no sword in the hand of David. 1 Samuel 17, 50. There was no sword in the hand of David. So before he picks up Goliath's sword, the author wants to make it clear, this was God's battle. And God won here. There was no sword in David's hand. You know, we're not called to pick up the sword in our culture. You you see the same thing when Peter defends Jesus, right? Jesus is being arrested, and what does Peter do? He takes his sword and he chops off the guard's ear who's trying to arrest Jesus. And Jesus rebukes him and heals the guy. And it's a picture here, it's a picture in the New Testament when that happens with Peter, that you and I as believers We're called to be alone with God, hearing from him, so we can have the perspective of how to live in the culture, how to to proclaim the truth of God's word and glorify him in all that we do and say, and never having to pick up the sword. That we don't have to pick up the sword to do it. What does that mean? It means that we don't have to result, you know, we don't have to resort to aggressiveness when proving our point, both verbally. We don't have to be, we don't have to be verbally aggressive to prove our point. That's not the battle that we face. We don't have to try and, you know, God does not need us to defend him and say, no, he's right, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. He doesn't need us to do that. What he needs us to do is walk in a way where his presence is with us. Walk in such a way that we're spending time with him, that we have the right perspective, that we let him fight the battles so that people can say, oh, no, God gets the glory for this one. The reason why we talk about David and Goliath as a culture, when you use that phrase, it's kind of like a... a phrase we use. It's like a, it's something people say, well, that's like David and Goliath. That's like David going up against Goliath. Somebody sues a big company. Well, that's like David and Goliath. Like the reason we say that is because it's impossible. God is looking for believers who will put themselves into positions where they can be David against Goliath. And that means God gets the glory when the, when the victory comes, that God gets the glory. So be careful that you don't pick up the sword. God does not need his church to pick up the sword. He needs us to fight the right battles at the right time in the right way. I want to say this. Don't pick the wrong fight. Don't pick the wrong fight. You you don't need to fight the mask issue. Wear a mask. 
You don't need, when you go to the grocery store, that's the wrong fight for believers. You don't need to fight the mask issue. That's the wrong fight. That's not the right fight. People's soul, people are dying and going to hell. Put a mask on, right? Our battle is something totally different. Our battle is about people's souls, about people's eternity. Be careful what fight you engage in. Be careful what narrative you choose to believe because you'll alienate people who you're called to reach when you pick the wrong fight. Peter cuts off that soldier's ear, and I wonder if Jesus healed that soldier and said, this is, I was there when this man, I was there when dad and I were talking about creating this dude. This soldier has a purpose. This soldier has a destiny. This soldier has somewhere he's headed. This soldier is a child of God. And the, to walk like Jesus walked is to be discerning and understanding, spending time in the presence of God and not picking the wrong fight. The victory was God's victory. David knew that. The people watching knew that. When I think about what's going on here and now, I think maybe God is wanting to give people an opportunity to see him. Much like the Israelites, I think this is where most people are at, afraid, lonely, tired, hungry, devastated, at the end of the line with tons of questions. These are the moments when God speaks. Here's the thing. I want to just use this as an example as we close, and we're going to sing a song together, and that's going to be the end of our service because now you're all in the front row in the sun. That's not the only reason we're in it. We're also ending because I just finished point three, and that's I only had three. So <laughs> it's not totally the sun issue, um, but it's mostly the sun because um, I have more I could say. Here's what I want to end with. You know, the death penalty, right? I have, I'm not talking about the morality of the death penalty, whether you're for or against it. But one of the reasons that it was instituted, the death penalty throughout human history, capital punishment, is yes, it was the justice for the families that had been wronged, right? If there was somebody that had been murdered, you, you got justice by seeing the, the perpetrator hang or be killed. Um, or, you know, you got, you got justice from that. The other reason, the little known reason that the death penalty was instituted within human history is that there's something about imminent death that focuses the mind on what life is all about. And there's an opportunity for repentance to happen if you know you're in the last days. If you know you're in the last days of your life, your mind is focused on perspective, what matters, why it matters, what I should do. And there is even an opportunity for repentance. For those that are on death row and they have a date of when death will happen, you know, if you watch interviews with death row inmates, you can tell there is a humility and a perspective in many, not all, because death has a way of focusing the mind. If God is doing anything in our culture or if God wants to do anything in our culture right now through the fear that is so permeating every aspect of our culture, through COVID-19 and the, the imminent reality of, of getting sick and having that experience and being not in control of if you were to get sick or not get sick and all that, maybe perhaps what God wants to do is focus our minds for a moment on what matters most. That it's really not just about working and getting a good job. It's not just about career. It's not just about money. It's not just about getting what you want out of life, right? Maybe God would want to focus our minds as a culture to say, we really need the Lord. We really need him. We really need him to show up in our world. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing together. I'm going to close in prayer. 
If you're watching this morning, I want to first of all say thank you for joining us. Secondly, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, you can do that right now by just saying yes to him. By just opening up your heart and saying, God, I, I need you. Lord, I, I, need, I need to know who you are and what you have for me. You can just pray that right now. You can say, Jesus, I receive you into my heart and my life. Lord, I thank you for this group of believers, Lord. I thank you that you are calling your people, us, your church, to a place where we understand the battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against, there's a spiritual battle that's being fought for people's future, for people's eternity. Lord, I pray that we would spend time with you like David did in the field. We'd get your perspective before we go to battle. We'd have your heart before we go to battle so that we would know that it's not our job to pick up the sword. Lord, it's, it's our job to hear from you. It's our job to experience you, Lord. It's our job to have your heart, to glorify you, to honor you, to put you first, to walk in a way that compels others to trust you. Lord, I pray that you would powerfully show up in the hearts and in the lives of each and every person here and each and every person watching. We worship you this morning in Jesus' name. Let's worship together. Chris. Amen.